In the holy name of Jesus, amen. You high school seniors, did you get the fat lead letter or the skinny letter? It is one of those shocking introductions to being an adult. You spend the entire autumn writing college applications. You pour your heart out to a stranger in an admissions office somewhere far, far away. And by spring, they know you better than your parents know you. You tell them your deepest and darkest secrets, and then in the spring, they have the nerve to send you the skinny letter. Sorry, we think you would be happier elsewhere. And so begins a long list of rejections that will greet you throughout life. The jobs you will apply for but will not get. The co-workers who set you up to take the fall. The boys and girls you wish to date who instead of giving you their cell phone number, give you the number to the rejection hotline. One seven seven five zero nine. You know about this, yes. But then, every once in a while, Jesus comes along and rearranges the furniture, and that is what is happening to the disciples today. During Lent, the disciples took a beating into Good Friday, and even even on Easter Day. For the disciples, Easter was like riding a roller coaster one too many times. It was fun, but in the end for them, it was just too much excitement, too much danger, too much ambiguity, too many things that were just plain weird, like seeing their dead rabbi alive in flesh and blood, a rabbi who could now both walk through a wall and eat fish on the beach. And then just when they were getting used to that idea, that a dead man can come back to life just when they were getting used to resurrection. It is Ascension Day and Jesus leaves them. Is that rejection just another skinny letter, just one more bad phone number? It would be if Jesus had not left plans and instructions. The plans are there in the Gospel for today from St. John, the instructions in the first reading from Acts. Here is the plan. The Father gave you to the Son, and the Son took good care of you. Now the Son hands you off to his Holy Spirit as he ascends. And the Lord's plan is to use you to build his church. How will he do that? The instructions are in the first lesson. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and beyond. Wherever you go, you will make disciples and you will make them stronger. You are not free to do whatever you want and to call it Christianity. You are not free based on your notion of what is true or relevant or hip or exciting or successful. You are not free to make it up as you go along. Instead, you are to deliver the truth whole cloth to those who do not know about my son. You are to deliver whole cloth this gospel, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's the plan? 
The Father's plan is to use you to build his church. What is his instruction? That you be a faithful witness in all you say and all you do, so that wherever you go, people will see you and hear you and wish to join this church, the Church of Christ. And as you know, that is precisely as it has worked out over the centuries. 70 or 80% of the people who joined the church joined because they've seen someone like you. Once when the Dean of Admissions at Amherst College was asked to explain why some folks get fat letters of admission and other folks get skinny letters of rejection, he said, we are looking for those who do things not those who talk about doing things. And it is exactly the same in the church. Jesus is looking for those who do things, not those who talk about doing things. Jesus is looking for those who know the plan and follow his instructions. The very worst words in the Bible may be, when Jesus turns to a bunch of folks who call themselves disciples and says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? The opposite of that, of course, is execution. Doing exactly what Jesus wants done, and doing it exactly the way he wants it done. The world is awash with folks who claim to be Christian and don't know the first thing about following the plan or obeying the instructions that Jesus Christ has left behind. On the other hand, the good news is that there are some who get it in spades. I told you once before about him, but I'll tell you again about Gary Haugen, who started the International Justice Mission. We saw him once at a small weekend seminar. He's a very bright boy, Harvard University of Chicago Justice Department, but the seminal experience in his life was when he was sent to Rwanda to be an investigator for the UN, and he spent his days looking into the eyes of boys and girls who had machete marks on their heads where they'd been stitched up as they told him about how their parents and their friends had been hacked to death and burned to death. And when he came home from that great evil, he quit his job at the Justice Department and he started this small mission, understanding that in the face of a great evil, you and I need to do a little good. And now they count it a successful day. If they can get six or seven little girls out of a brothel in Southeast Asia, or release a political prisoner or two, or expose people who traffic in human slaves. At the end of that seminar, he looked up at those who were there and straightened his glasses and said, God has a plan, and you're in it. That's the gospel. God has a plan, and you're it. That is the gospel for today. That God loves you so that he will not only die for you and resurrect you and live for you and show you what to do, God also invites you in to be part of his church. And beyond that, he lets you play. 
God has a plan and you're it. He lets you share his task, share his vision, share his goal. He gives you instructions precisely how to do that if you will only pay attention. The bottom line is that Jesus Christ trusts you with the work of his church. More specifically, that means that he trusts you with the salvation of your next door neighbors. His church and your neighbor's salvation are in your hands. 70% of the time, it's you who will be the one to let them know that God so loved the world. That is why execution is so important. That is why the delivery of the goods, doing what you and I have been given to do precisely in the way that we have been given to do it, is so important. The church is always just one generation from extinction. The church is dead in Europe. The church is dying in America. It's holding its own in Asia and South America. And it is exploding in Africa. Where they take Jesus more seriously than we do. What makes the difference? It's the difference of those disciples in the first reading for today. For a while, they're so stunned by what they see when Jesus ascends to heaven that they can't bear to look away. But then, the angels poke them in the ribs, which drops them down. And they're able to go about their business with one eye on heaven and another on the hell, which is this world. That would mean that the next great task for St. John is evangelism. In both word and deed. With both mouth and hand. It would be best for all of us to begin to think that way. The gifts are now in place. Christ and scripture and prayer and the divine service. All that the Lord has given us to do is faithfully delivered precisely as he has asked it to be delivered. But now is the time for money and acts of mercy and winsome witness. Those things which full blast draw friends, neighbors, and even enemies to Christ who is Lord. Our job is to move from study to evangelism, from staring at Jesus delivering Jesus' whole cloth to those around us. Our job is to live as those who do not disappoint the angels. I know that much of the world hates this arrangement. I know that the world in our post-postmodern age hates anyone who claims to have truth. But if you confess Christ, there is no other choice. So we might as well carry on to the next thing. The next thing is this. I also know that many, many Christians cannot execute. 
For most of my life, even in our own church body, there has been far more attention paid to those complaining than those rejoicing and doing the Lord's work. If I count properly, I'm about half done with being a pastor. My years are numbered, Deo Valente. And I'm not willing to waste any more time spinning my wheels. My sense is that that is true for a good many of you here this morning. You have come to realize that we are not just any church, anywhere, at any time. We are instead a church with tremendous gifts. And so we have a tremendous responsibility to execute, to deliver precisely what the Lord has given, and precisely in the way that he has given us, to plant and water and then let God give the growth. This is the gospel. God has a plan and you're it. And so in the first analysis, it is not about you. You are not the big deal. It is about God and his plan for the world. His plan for the world is to have his people back. But this is the gospel too. That you are important. In the sense that the Lord has chosen to give the most important task of life and death to you. This morning you are receiving the fat letter. Come along, be one of us. We think you fit. Come on, play. See this vision. Do this task. You are like-minded. You are mine. Come follow these instructions precisely as they've been given. Words and deeds. Mouth and hands. Jesus promises in the Gospel for today that you will never, ever be more fulfilled anywhere else. It's verse 13. These things I speak, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I know that it is absolutely crazy. It is absolutely unbelievable for me that the Father would give us the Son. And the Son would not only care for us, but then hand us off to the Holy Spirit and put us to the task. That is absolutely crazy. It is the most illogical way to run a church. It is also precisely what Jesus intends. Execution. Delivery. Evangelism. Truth. Openness to whatever the Lord would do next. It is the only life that matters. It is the only life that fulfills. And ascension is over, and you've been poked in the ribs, and now you and I ought to get busy. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.